Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flophouse bonus episode. Right to the meat. We're not even doing an intro today. Yeah. Just uh, right into the goodies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just dive right into that big bowl of chili. <laughs> yep. So uh, thanks for donating to MaximumFun.org. Uh-huh. Uh, assuming that you did donate and you didn't steal the link. Oh, man. Like Don't, a real stinker. You can't assume that, no. dude. Don't be a link stinker. Come on. Just assume oh. that they did the right thing. <laughs> link okay. stinker. That's, uh, that's when the main character from the Zelda franchise eats too much chili. <laughs> okay. It's not exactly Thanks. a snakelet. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Is that are you, Stuart, are you are you testing out your material for the Nintendo conference? You're, you're the headline speaker at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuart's like someone in the audience. Please say the words "link stinker" to, together. <laughs> you're like, Mi- how do I segue I got- into all this? Miyamoto-san, please say "link stinker." <laughs> <laughs> so uh okay you, you all know us i if feel like donated... that's the kind of joke that that shigeru miyamoto would enjoy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah if you donated you probably a sense of play about it oh, oh yeah dan yeah yeah if, people if you donated, donated money right if you donated money uh you're like why why did i do it at this point <laughs> yeah, listening yeah. to us yep you're like uh you're you're pressing the refund button on your podcatcher mm-hmm but jokes on you. <laughs> that goes to an old GeoCities page. <laughs> it's not Geocity. Uh, anyway, what we normally do, which you probably know as a donor, is we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. But this is a bonus episode, so we're changing it up for you. Changing the game here at the Flophouse. Instead of watching bad movies and talking about it, we watch about t- we watch TV shows that you can only see on YouTube now. Yeah. That's what we did. We watched a movie. A movie. Why? Mm. I'm. Geez, well, Dan. I, okay. We literally just said we didn't watch a movie. <laughs> and uh, you know what, Dan, that's called autopilot. <laughs> that's what that was. <laughs> oh, brother! We watched a TV uh, what people, show. <laughs> what people don't know is that Dan actually died three years ago, and we've just been piecing together his audio from previous episodes. <laughs> so we had to say movie there instead of TV show. <laughs> oh, that's uh. cool. Um, painstakingly recreated his voice using audio mm-hmm. from the old episodes, but it means we can't have him say anything he's never said before. Right, mm-hmm. Dan? That's right, Elliot. Well, wait, do we take that audio from the time Dan pretended to be a robot? <laughs> <laughs> yep, you know it. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> we watched a TV show this time around uh-huh. uh, because it's short and it's easy on us. And, and we were excited so, to watch it. We were excited to watch this one. Yeah, I've seen and watching this TV show was kind of not that easy on us, or not we, on me anyway. But we, we, okay, let's let's paint a picture. Okay, sure. It was July of 1990. You were at home on a Monday night, ready to watch <laughs> the show that would be taking over after the series finale of Alf. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, you're watching NBC, so you're going up against big hitters like Major Dad, uh, MacGyver, and other bullshit. Now, Ho- let's let's paint. I just want to expand on that. There is a furry, joke-shaped hole in America's heart right now. Because uh-huh. they no longer have Gordon Shumway, Alf himself, to mm-hmm. tell jokes about eating cats and uh, and also put on a bandana and pretend to be a rock star, mm. which for some reason was considered entertaining at the time. I felt the same way. I was entertained by it. I mm. don't know why. And also, Newhart just ended, so they kind of tested the waters on how people feel about a little bit of wackiness at the end of their TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So, and also, everyone was was crazy for the movie Joe, starring Peter Boyle. That's uh-huh. right. The story of a of an angry blue collar man who kills hippies was on everybody's lips, even though it had come out almost twenty years earlier. <laughs> so Peter Boyle fever was sweeping the nation. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, you were covered in boils, right? Uh, yep. What do you think? Uh, and and of course, Ray Romano was just a baby, so he couldn't cast him as his dad. So he needed to get uh-huh. on TV somehow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you pop on TV, and what shows up? The series pilot of a little show called Poochinski, where the O's are paw prints. Oh, yeah. that's and cute. now let's... They got the designer from a, a pet food store to do the <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of the time now, if a pilot gets made, no one sees it. But back in the old network days, when there was less competition and you could just throw whatever garbage onto the screen, mm-hmm. they would make a pilot, and even if they weren't going to show the rest of the series, mm-hmm. they just air it in the hopes that, you know, we got to fill time, and also, like, who knows, yep. maybe people will like it, even if mm-hmm. it doesn't if, if it doesn't go well. So, like, I remember, do you guys remember there was a pilot for a show that's called, like, I think The Danger Team that was half claymation? It was like this a, a guy made puppets out of like alien clay that uh, turned into uh, uh, like s- little tiny superheroes. And I remember watching that as a kid around this time and being like, huh, wonder when they're going to come up with another episode. They uh-huh. never did, but they still aired <laughs> the pilot. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. With Puchinski. Oh, okay. Uh, now, that's kind of a funny name, guys. What what happens in this show? Yeah, Dan, how does the show... We uh, The camera pans over the city of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, we, hear on the, we hear on a police band this, radio. What? This takes, this takes place in Chicago? Yeah, when Peter Boyle's dying, a.k.a. Stanley Puchinski, Detective Puchinski's dying, He's uh, he mentions that he's got Cubs tickets in oh, his okay. wallet. Okay, yeah, I should have unless, I should have known because this the show has such an astounding sense of place. Uh-huh. <laughs> that the hot dog he feeds uh the dog later on uh isn't a Chicago style dog, so you're like I could understand why you wouldn't know. Yeah, where I didn't it see any place. celery salt in the Yeah, there's dog. no sport pepper. <laughs> that's that's all true. Okay, guys, maybe I'll just explain. Uh Peter Boyle is uh Stan- is Stanley Puchinski. He's a mm-hmm. kind of he's a detective who's a great police detective, but he's kind of a slob scummy guy. No one likes him, mm-hmm. uh, especially not his partner, Detective Robert McKay, who's a younger guy. He hates being teamed with Puchinski because Puchinski is, again, a slob. He's always <clears> making <throat> gross jokes. What's the song that he's always singing? Everybody loves somebody sometimes, right? That's yeah. right. He's always singing that. Uh, and so he, at, early on, Puchinski, everyone's mad at him. He saves a bulldog from some adolescent thugs. Who, who, are, like, seem like, who are like beating up a dog. They're like eleven-year-olds beating up a dog, and they look like they just arrived from a, like a suburban middle school somewhere. Like they should. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't look like the most intimidating thugs, but I think one of them has a knife. And one then of them has a switchblade. And then a switchblade, and Puchinski pulls a gun on them. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. like, it's this weird scene where, like, wait, am I about to see the star of this show shoot a bunch of kids? But no, uh-huh. he doesn't. Instead, they they run away, and he adopts this this lovable little English bulldog and shares uh-huh. his not Chicago style hot dog with it. Yep, <laughs> and then he drives around. He eats a not Chicago style pizza, or maybe it is a Chicago style pizza. We'll find out. We uh, find out. <laughs> we 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 meet some of the other uh, lovable cast of characters in the office. 
uh, what's the name? Station. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Police and office. That, that special kind of office that police officers work in. <laughs> uh, who's the actor who plays uh, that plays their chief? I like that guy. I can't remember his name. That's uh, Frank McRae, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Um, yeah. And uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, so the the lead of the show asks to be uh, to get a new partner because of partner incompatibility, and that's where we learn about Puchinski's sterling reputation as a crime solver. Uh, now, the, now the his part his partner is played by George New, New, George Newbern, who you may remember as the the, the guy the who groom? wants to marry yeah. yeah the groom from Father of the Bride. I was going to yeah. say, the guy who wants to marry Steve Martin's daughter. But groom is a better way to describe you, it. You're you might right. remember as uh, off-brand Andrew McCarthy. Oh, and just looking at this now, I didn't realize he does the voice of Sephiroth in the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts series. Holy shit. That's why he's so fucking cool. <laughs> uh, but so he he hates his partner. He, he's like, why do I have to be teamed with Puchinski? He's gross. And the, and the police captain is like... He's the guy who closed all these legendary cases. You've got a lot to learn, and you can start learning about it from Puchinski. And we meet. Uh, did you mention Sergeant Str- Shriver, their enemy at the police station? Uh huh. Is that that's the guy who he makes a joke about Puchinski uh, being lonely and all alone, and then he makes a joke about sleeping with Shriver's wife. And there's a weird yes. pause where Shriver's like, "Yeah, that probably is happening." <laughs> <laughs> It was a little too real that moment. Yeah, yeah, it all hits him like a ton of bricks. Um, and he's got one of those cool uh, Johnny Unitas haircuts. Um, and we're introduced to what a receptionist at the police station. I don't remember that woman's uh, the the woman that he that he leaves the dog with later. Yes, I yeah, I couldn't tell whether she was a receptionist or whether she was meant to be like the the police. Oh, dispatcher like dispatcher. That, yeah, like he was like that he had a sexy sense. voice earlier. Even though I assumed that like police dispatchers would be in a different part of the building but i mean they i don't know necessarily but they probably wouldn't have a a desk right in the middle of the bullpen area where there'd be a lot of noise yeah mm-hmm. uh, but who knows it's a tv show come on guys yep. this is a show where a man is reincarnated as a dog so we don't need to worry that they got all the details whoa, whoa, about how whoa. reincarnated as a as a as a already living dog <laughs> so, yeah, yes which means I, which I, means that the, well, the dog's soul is just pushed out of its body. That's terrible. Yes, I wanted to address that, but we <laughs> so, were there already, so we, apparently. We cut to Let's a stakeout where our our two heroes are sitting in a car with a dog. Puchinski is being very irritating. Uh, the he dog, orders a pizza to have delivered to the <coughs> car. The dog who does is not given a name at this point, right? Uh, uh, I, don't no, so. I don't think so. They don't no, want to confuse just... the audience by giving the dog two names because he gets a well, new name later on. I feel like once you give the dog a name, it really highlights the fact that the dog is a living being that uh-huh. is not just an empty vessel for the soul of a human mm-hmm. to jump so, into. So a pizza is delivered. Uh, Puchinski gives the delivery guy a very large tip, which is great. Um, and well, then he... he, he, he Puchinski doesn't have any money on him, so he just takes some money from his partner and uh-huh. hands it to the to the delivery guy, and it turns out it's too much money. Uh-huh. Uh, and he complains because it's what, like sardines and pineapples or some shit? It's shrimp and pineapple. I think it's oh, like, wow. health, health food, and it's like <laughs> shrimp on a pizza? This is expensive. <laughs> you would think, yeah. I mean, that's that's Chicago style, right? Wait, and so you're from hold Illinois. On. Yeah, it's a famous Chicago lake shrimp. <laughs> so wait, who ordered this pizza? The, the, oh, the no, partner? He did. He, no, no. Puchinski ordered the pizza. But they messed up his order? They messed yeah, up his order. Yeah, he says they okay. messed up my order. And, and this was also, I don't know if you guys remember, in the pizza was a big thing 
in the late 80s, early 90s. It was like uh-huh. most of America had just discovered pizza. And yeah. there were a lot of jokes about weird things you could get on pizza, like weird toppings. And everyone knew if you order extra anchovies on your pizza, Patrick Dempsey is going to come over and have sex with you. Uh-huh. That was just like commonly known code at the time because pizza was so – it's like – I don't. I wonder what it was like growing up on the East Coast. We always had pizza around. Pizza was everywhere. But for you yep. guys in the Midwest, was there suddenly this like pizza explosion? Yeah, I mean, there was a restaurant called Pizza Explosion. <laughs> it showed. It it blew in one night in a weird uh, in like a weird old jalopy car. Oh, uh, so it's like a the pro- thing the, yeah, the proprietor could just guess what kind of pizza fit the person. <laughs> And then everybody in the town just started killing each other over pizza. It was great. (laughs) Terrible. Uh, (laughs) No, it was great because after everyone else was dead, all the pizza was for me. (laughs) Uh, Stuart, Stuart, I I want to talk to you about this manuscript you've written. Uh, I don't think it's your best work, Mm -hmm. first off. Okay. Uh, And it seems a little derivative. I... Um, you know, I'm always looking for constructive criticism. Uh-huh. So go on, Dan. Uh, well, when you called, shut the fuck <laughs> up, dude. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Hey. Wow. Okay, guys. Uh, I'm just saying there were a lot of jokes about pizza at the time. So he gets that pizza. They screw up the order. He begins to start ordering a new pizza on the police radio, which leads me to believe that the dispatcher called it in <laughs> for him, which is weird. Yeah. Well, he's already <laughs> for- established a relationship by being creepy to her over the over the the CB or whatever. But uh, before you can order a new pizza, they witness a mugging at an uh, at an automated teller machine. Those were new at the time. And and there's a there's a sign over it that's like Insta Teller or something, which feels like a weird attempt to like come up with a new brand other than ATM. There's there's a, a mugging at the at the ATM machine, which is uh-huh. a, I shouldn't say ATM machine. That's redundant. Uh, McKay chases after it turns into a car chase. Uh oh, what happens to Puchinski? Well, we the uh, the car tries to run him over, uh, tries to run over McKay. McKay pulls out his gun and starts firing, and it has that really awesome like dirty hairy car uh, gunshot sound effect, which was pretty cool. Uh, and he just starts blasting; it's fucking awesome. And then he jumps out of the way, and then of course, what the dog's about to get run over? Yeah, the the po- the dog is in the way of the car, and Puchinski runs over to save it, and is hit and dies. Uh-huh. Oh, terrible! So terrible. Um, and in his final moments, he tells his partner uh, to go through his wallet and take all his stuff and maybe sell it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I guess he like looks longingly into the dog's eyes. I can't really tell. It's he looks in the dog's eyes, and there's kind of like a mystic moment of understanding. If only I think when, when the dog realizes, oh wait a second, I guess I'm going to die. I'm getting some soul death to make way for the human. Great, love it. What sounds wonderful. Great. Yeah. Do you, I, I really wish that the filmmaker had uh, taken a page filmmaker? from the... Filmmaker? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, movies are... are uh, TV shows are the new film, dude. Um, uh, the the filmmaker had taken a page from the book of uh, Mandy and had Peter Boyle's face and the dog's face slowly, like, superimposed over each other. Oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been great. It's too bad that this, that this show was made almost 30 years before Mandy came out. <laughs> yeah. So he couldn't be inspired to do that. Yeah. So as we've said, um, I guess this dog's spirit has been pushed out to make way for Roughly Peter Boyle. Shoved, so uh, the dog has been sent into the sunken place. Uh-huh, uh, while yeah. Peter Boyle takes over his mind, essentially. Or, because, I mean, maybe maybe we don't realize it. Maybe, pardon me. Maybe there's an all of me scenario going on. Oh, where they're fighting for control. Yeah, 
Maybe that's why, like, sometimes Puchinski acts like a dog when he's in the dog body. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's there are moments where he barks, and I'm like, that's crazy. That's not Peter Boyle making a bark sound with his mouth. That would have been much funnier. <laughs> that, would be, that would have made the show a lot better if it was just if Peter Boyle going bark, bark, bark. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, so we cut to uh, the funeral for mm-hmm. for Detective Stanley Puchinski. Uh, it is decently attended. I was yeah, hoping you would be surprisingly well attended. For, but I guess you know when a cop dies, all the other cops show up. Uh, but I mean, it didn't actually look like that many cops showed up to this. It's just like it's you know, like there's a dozen force. people. Um, it's Chicago. The, there's not a lot. I of feel like there. I feel like <laughs> if this show was really trying to build to a season, you would have introduced a cast of a couple of wacky characters at this point. But no big deal. Um, the uh, and then McKay is standing over the grave when he hears the voice of Stanley Puchinski once again. Mm-hmm. It's the dog, and it's handled very casually. He's just like, hey, it's me, I'm back. <laughs> so, How are you doing? And he's like, so, and the weird thing is, McKay's like, I'm going crazy. And Puchinski's like, no, I'll prove it to you. The last thing we talked about was this. I made fun of your shirt. And he starts singing that song, and it's like, all of this is stuff that McKay already knows. So it... Could, it does not prove that he's not going crazy. That's like Puchinski should have said, like, go to this storage locker and you'll find, like, all the information about the prostitutes that I've hired or something like that. <laughs> something that something nobody else would know. But instead, yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah, Puchinski, you've proved that you're the that you're Puchinski because you know all this stuff that my subconscious could easily yeah, just I mean, be pulling out of itself. That's, that's, uh, that's a setup for the second season arc where he thinks he's just insane. The uh, And so up until this point, guys, I'm like... I don't know. I don't know why people think this is a bad show. And then we... <laughs> I mean, the fact that it has, it has no jokes and it's not exciting and it looks bad, but otherwise. <laughs> and then, guys, that's when we see the dog puppet. Because when <laughs> Puchinski starts... This puppet. When we start... When Puchinski starts talking, they actually use, like, a, a dog, I guess, hand puppet that... <laughs> The only way... It looks like it's cobbled together from old baseball mitts. And it's certainly... <laughs> It certainly looks like it has an, it smells bad. Like there's something about an image on screen where like it brings back smell memories of like digging through a dumpster. Yeah. It's it's like it's like they took like a good Henson puppet mm-hmm. but mixed it with a real dog and a mad ball. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. it felt to me like they had taken a real dog's face and yeah, turned it into a catcher's mitt, then tried to make a puppet out of it. And it was real. It's it is not it's not an attractive puppet. It Let's would be like that. if somebody remade the movie Silence of the Lambs, but with an all dog cast, and there is a <laughs> Buffalo Bill type figure trying to make a, a suit out of other dog skins. I'm just saying, if this puppet showed up in the Dark Crystal, I would have been like, "Oh, too scary! What's this monster? <laughs> Get it out of here! Bring those Skeksis back on!" Although he does kind of look like that old witch who has that super cool house with the giant, uh, what like model of the universe with the big planetarium and everything. Yeah, yeah. who gets kidnapped by the crab monsters? Yeah, the Gartham. Yeah. Uh, the so yeah, this puppet is terrible looking, and it's like I guess they they were like, you know, the Alf puppet wasn't particularly real looking. It didn't look like a real alien, and it's like, well, first off, how do you know what a real alien looks like? That's a crazy thing to say. Also, yeah, wait, that's what an alien would say. <laughs> uh, beep boop, gotta go. Tentacles wait. don't fail me now. Okay, for a second I thought it was a robot, but you clarified. He's a robot alien. alien. From the waist up, he's a robot. From the waist down, he's an alien. That's how they yeah, make them on this planet. Yeah, Worch Tom 7. That's stupid uh, of me. So... 
it's like it's like they're like we need a puppet. Puppets are we can't replace Alf with a non-puppet show. That would uh-huh. be crazy. America <laughs> wouldn't stand for it. They'd burn down the National Broadcasting Corporation headquarters. Rockefeller Center would just be laid waste, and then there'd be no Thirty Rock for Tina Fey and her band of merry mm-hmm. misfits to have their show in. So so it, the so it feels like the puppet they took the Alf puppet cut the head off and then melted away all the fur using a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> And then smashed it through, like they just put it in a car door and just smashed the car door on it a bunch of times. Yeah, and then threw the car away because you don't want that on your car anymore. Oh no, horrible, disgusting. Uh, and then and then they said they took they had a a focus group of children and they said draw a picture of your biggest nightmare, and they tried to infuse that spirit into the puppet. So I guess what we're saying is a plus dog puppet, great dog puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, well, they went to the set of the movie Pet Cemetery, and they're like, give us your discarded, evil, resurrected animal puppets. And they're like, well, we got this one, but every time we look at it, it drives men to madness. <laughs> Perfect. Great. You know, if, it's just for Puchinski. In, in their minds, the creators of Puchinski are like, if this show is a hit, we're going to merchandise the shit out of this dog. Like, we're going to have to be selling Puchinski puppets, Puchinski t-shirts, Puchinski posters, little Puchinskis that hang in people's car windows. Like, everyone's going to be seeing Puchinski all the time. So we got to make sure it's super cute and super lovable. The kind of face that you wouldn't mind seeing all the time. And that certainly wouldn't make you shudder. Your very skin crawl and the hair on the nape of your neck not only stand at attention, but jump and run away from your very body once Mm -hmm. you see it. So they came up with the Puchinski dog puppet. It feels like while they were testing this, they kept bringing the puppets into a test audience, and they're like, does this look like a dog? They're like, yes. And then they made it more monster-like, and they kept bringing it in there (laughs) until the people were like, it doesn't look like a dog anymore. And they're like, perfect, (laughs) okay. The test audience was a bunch of dogs, and they weren't ready until they took. The, they brought the puppet in, and when the dogs reacted by going, <laughs> that's when they knew they'd hit pay dirt. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would. They bring yeah, there's no sense of kinship. <laughs> yeah. They're like, the last thing we want is for this puppet to get humped by a real dog while we're shooting a take. So let's make it so horrifying that no dog would want to go near it. Yeah, they're like, hey, John Carpenter, do you have the midway transformed dog monster from the thing available? <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to use that. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> we may be overstating this puppet a little bit. Just a little. Yeah, people are gonna watch it now. People are gonna like, watch oh, it. They're gonna be. Like, <laughs> they're gonna be expecting some H.P. Lovecraft horror. I mean, it's just, a, it's just, an, it's just a, a non. It's just an ugly looking weird dog puppet. So Puchinski's <laughs> mad at McKay because McKay doesn't want to help Puchinski find Puchinski's killer. He's like, oh, Shriver's been given that. And Puchinski's like, Shriver, I'm your partner. You gotta find my killer. And McKay's like, all right, okay, fine. Uh, McKay takes Pachinski home, and there Pachinski decides to play matchmaker between <laughs> between his partner and uh, the single mom, I guess, who lives yeah. in the apartment played by Amy Yazbek, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Amy Yazbek, who you may vaguely know from any number of things. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, she was big in that, in that, around that time. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, the, but anyway, so, uh, he tries to, like, set them up and there's like this is the beginning of so many like just just dog jokes just so Mm -hmm. many and they're not really jokes so much as just like references to dog things Mm mm-hmm and uh like how dogs always try and be matchmakers with two lonely single people (laughs) 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 or how dogs do that dogs turn the radio on to 
Everybody loves somebody sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and also jokes about him peeing on things and like chewing on things and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, there's one where was, <laughs> you were a disgrace on two legs or even worse on four legs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Puchinski is annoying. They argue a lot. There's a real odd couple roommate aspect to this yeah. until Puchinski gets depressed and McKay cheers him up. And I, for honestly, this movie, uh, this movie, this TV show, it has made so such a small impact on my mind that I like don't remember. A lot I mean, of what was clearly the. I mean, I think the show only begins to start touching on the ultimate fantasy that is Puchinski. The feeling that you get to be, <laughs> you get to have, you get to have a human brain inside of a normal, arguably normal shaped dog's body. And you don't have to worry about anything. You can just sit on the on the couch, watch TV, do whatever. You don't have to wear clothes. You can stick your entire face into a bowl of popcorn, which is placed perilously close to your face. Uh-huh. You can lick your own. You can lick your crotch, which he talks about trying to do, but we, I don't think we see him try to do it right because this was a network show. Yeah. The I I had the same problem as you, Elliot. This uh, show was so basic, and it like. The premise is is wacky, but it's a premise we've seen before, and the execution of this wacky basic premise mm-hmm. was so by the numbers that like it slid off my brain entirely after watching there's like it. Almost no, there's almost no jokes in the movie. Uh-huh. In the well, show, there's, and the whole the show has almost no like actual laugh jokes. Like, but also weird. It also reminds you of like how when there were fewer television options, like TV could get away with being. Like having this little plot, like oh yeah, oh I, I I think about it all the time. Like how sweet it must have been to be a TV writer in like the 1970s and 1980s when it was like there's almost no competition on the dial. The show the shows don't even need to be good, yeah. And they can last for years. Like they don't need to be really funny. They don't need to have a lot. Like things happen really slow. I was watching the other day an episode of Bewitched from the later seasons where they accidentally bring George Washington into the present. And mm-hmm. it's so slow, and there's almost no jokes. This and was uh, like, this was an episode of Charmed you were watching. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was the Charmed of the '60s, Bewitched. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, because uh, that sounds like, very much like an episode of Charmed. <laughs> but it's like, but the characters would just be like George Washington, and he it, the camera would just hold on a close up of this old man wearing satin pajamas that vaguely look like 18th century clothing. He doesn't look like George Washington at all, and he's just like Martha. Where's Martha? Where am I? And then the laugh track comes in, and it's like, oh, it must have been so sweet to be writing that script. And instead of being like, what's a funny thing for George Washington to say? You just have him say what George Washington probably would say in that situation. It's <laughs> like, where's my wife? Where am I? <laughs> oh, like, what? A, and that was back when you were getting paid so much to write a TV show that you could have like a mansion with a pool. Like, oh man, what a. Ex- uh, it's, it, I miss the. I wish I'd had worked in those days, and not in the days of peak TV and the golden age of TV as the new movies, where no one makes any money and there's too many good TV shows, and the stress pressure is really high because the shows have to be good. Oh man! Oh wow! Yeah, but I missed um, out, guys. Yes. So, speaking like, can of, you imagine Puchinski getting on the air now? <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, probably Adult Swim. Um, so <laughs> the I do want to. Sorry, before we move on, I want to talk about the plot. Okay. So eventually, <laughs> they catch the fucking ATM bandit who just walked up to somebody in the middle of the day with a gun at the uh, same ATM. Uh, what's his name? McCray. What's the guy's name? Who's the McKay? Who's McKay. He chased the guy into an alley. 
luckily, and it looks like the 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 perp is getting the better of him. When Puchinski does, I'm assuming the only move he would ever do in the entire series, which is climb above a, an, an enemy and then drop down on them, knocking them down, and, and then bite biting them, them the on the biting them in the crotch. Yeah, uh, that's they call that the Puchinski in uh-huh. in MMA circles. Uh huh. And he also they also gave that guy a wonderful defense for when. Uh, for when he goes to his lawyer and claims that he was uh, he was treated poorly by the police because <laughs> they that police a dog talk- bit him in the testicles. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think that's, I think he's got a strong police brutality case for that. Um, so I mean, Stuart skipped to the end, but there are a few things that I want to address. Uh, no, we- Dan, the end. The end is when we see them at their apartment again. Kuczynski, as we're told in dialogue, has been added to the canine force. So uh-huh. now they're going to work together and their roommates. The scene where Pachinski is like made a cop as a dog, we don't even get to see that. No, so I do believe. I do believe, unless I'm making this up, I will admit I've had a few drinks by this point. Uh-huh. I do believe we see a photo in his apartment of them with the chief. Uh, like they've got medals around their necks, Pachinski yes, and the they guy. Have because I don't know if this happens in real life, but in TV and the movies, every time a cop closes a case, they get a medal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got a, well, they got I mean, a steamer a, trunk full of them in their house. It was related to a cop killing, but it's still. Yeah, I, I love like the shorthand of just like panning over, like, oh, okay, I guess he like this is like this is like uh, back in 1990. Like he had to go to the store get this developed. Like pick out a frame, put the frame <laughs> up of him, uh, getting this. And medal. also, it's not like the police captain could order a medal online and have it just yeah. shipped from some place in China. He had to go to like a trophy store, go through their <laughs> big book of designs, yep. figure out what the ribbon should look like. Yep. Everything back then in those analog days, it was so so much more difficult. I wish right. I wish when the camera panned, it panned over other more exciting <laughs> scenes that we didn't get to see, like Puchinski <laughs> winning an eating competition and like yeah, Puchinski getting his degree. Puchinski coming along on the on on McKay's date with Amy Yazbek and yep. just like uh, Puchinski on stage singing "Everybody Loves Somebody" to a yeah. rapturous crowd. Like P- Puchinski uh, in one of the lifeboats, one of the survivors of the Titanic. <laughs> Puczynski is riding a pteranodon while he's dropping bombs on a Nazi. <laughs> so we don't see any of those. Uh, no, no, we don't and see then Puczynski in a space helmet with little rocket jets flying up to Galactus. There is a moment. Gems. There is a moment where Puczynski gets angry with uh, his new roommate, I guess, and partner, and starts tearing up his bedroom. And that's one of the the moments in the show where they change from real dog to fake dog, and it becomes much more terrifying when you see a swirl of uh, bed debris around this horrifying dog puppet. Oh, man. Yeah. uh, But to jump back, there were a couple of moments that we skimmed over that I Uh wanted to address. Yep. Go for it, yeah. This is a show that deserves real, detailed Analysis and autopsy. Go well, for yes, we're going very short right now. I want to give the <laughs> the donors something to listen to. So, okay, fair point. Fair point. Uh, no, uh, we we skimmed over it a little bit, but we didn't really talk about it. There is a moment that the show tries to get poignant, uh-huh. where like uh, Puchinski is very sad that he's a dog now, and the his partner <laughs> tries to comfort him about the fact that he's a dog. And I was watching it, thinking like, surely. The television show Puchinski does not think that I'm going to be emotionally moved by anything that's happening right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, you just met these characters, right? <laughs> That's right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe in season I'm, four. Yeah. I mean, a few years earlier, this the director of this show did direct the Family Ties episode where uh, Michael J. Fox's friend dies in the car accident, oh. and Michael J. Fox has to go into therapy. I think. So maybe he was going for some heavy emotion in a similar situation of man stuck inside of dog body. Because to be honest, regardless of what Stuart said earlier about it being every man's dream to be a dog's body, <laughs> I, would, I would find the, the experience to be incredibly horrifying and not what I would want at all. Wow, I mean, I guess we're going to have to agree like to disagree on this story. one. <laughs> yeah. Now, the question is... I guess, can anyone, I guess can one of us else... likes trapping their body in the prison of clothing, whereas I would prefer simply wearing a harness around my neck occasionally with my name on it. <laughs> yeah, in case anyone found you. I guess that's fair. Now, Puchinski can talk to his partner. Can he talk to anyone else? Yeah, uh, I mean, he at question. one point he gets into the elevator and tells the man who's looking at, a, I'm guessing, a racing form uh, what uh, what floor he needs to go to. Now, I was so surprised that they didn't introduce a character that's blind that Puchinski is like uh, friends with, like maybe yeah. an old like blind news seller that is like, uh, but Detective Puchinski, I thought you died. Yeah, that would have been, been more no, creative been than anything. In the, mm-hmm. I also wanted to address the part in the movie or the movie. Why did TV keep, show? I mean, if, I mean, feel, if there's no other episode, so essentially a 21 minute movie. I mean, movie. I think it's listed as a short film in IMDb. It is listed yeah, I mean, as a short when, film. When it was nominated for an Academy Award, it was as an original live action short. Uh, no, I um, I was disturbed. I just love the way that it lampoons uh, network television conventions. <laughs> I was disturbed by the sequence where. Um, the uh, partner brings Puchinski into work for the first time after the transformation. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, here. I mean, I think transformation is not an accurate description. No, because I think it's overselling <laughs> it somewhat. <laughs> There's no <laughs> moment of him, of Peter Boyle as he dies, <laughs> morphing, <laughs> anamorphing into a dog. <laughs> What if the the budget got spent mostly on those in-between stage puppets and makeup effects of Peter Boyle transforming into a dog? I think you could fairly call it a transformation, even if we have not seen the transformation. No, 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 because that that implies that Peter Boyle's body turned into (laughs) the dog's body. It's more of a soul transition. It is very much a soul gentrification, as as an ordinary dog is forced out of its body to make room for this human who himself is being pushed out of his apartment by, like, tech billionaires. Now, I can only assume that when he pushes Puchinski out of his body, Puchinski, or the dog formerly, or that is currently known as Puchinski, had to push the soul out of some other lesser being, like a a passing rat or a bird. The rat now has a dog soul. The rat goes into an ant soul. The ant soul goes into a bacteria. The bacteria soul goes into like a quark. That's maybe an end of season one climax where the dog is trying to get back into his own body. He's uh, enlisted the help of, I don't know, like a shaman or a scientist or maybe a shaman who's a scientist. Maybe his name's Forge. We'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe if, if things get, or in uh, or to Elliot's uh, scenario where like the souls get pushed off all the way down, like maybe it was like once it gets to the subatomic level, maybe this uh-huh. this Puchinsky uh, soul transference actually starts unraveling the very fabric of the universe. Okay, oh, everyone's become, and the moon just has a giant Puchinsky face on it. Yeah. That explains why Puchinsky looks the way Puchinsky looks. <laughs> 
But now, do you think this shaman character, you know, we'll just call him Forge. <laughs> Let's call him Forge. Yeah. Do you sure. think do you think there'll be like a mix up at the end when he realizes but transferring a man's soul into a dog's body is the ultimate fantasy. Why would I try and help this dog get his body back when I can put my soul into that dog's body? Now, this is an interesting this is an interesting nuance of the original character Forge that you've just created. Who's who's a sort I mean, of, I'm just picking a, I'm just picking a name out of that. It a could techno be shaman. Let's just say he's a Vietnam veteran too, and that he was yeah. trained to fight some sort of evil adversary force. Yeah. Let's just make that stuff up off the top of our heads. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So he also feels this fantasy of wanting to be a dog. So do you think he wants to try to steal Puchinski's new body from Puchinski? No, I mean he doesn't want to be an animal. He wants to take back. Puchinski's body, but for himself, because I mean, I think we've already described it. It's a beautiful canine form. <laughs> uh, to jump way back to what I originally wanted to talk about. Oh, sure. About. Okay. To talk about what I want to talk about. A shaman scientist. You also see one in the movie, The Manitou. Okay, uh-huh. Dan, you're, you, what you were going to say? Uh, so after the soul transference, uh-huh. he comes into work the next day with the, with the partner. Uh-huh. With and the, the par- groom from Father the Bride, yeah. And the partner's like, here, you take care of him, and hands the dog to the sexy dispatcher or whoever that lady is. Uh-huh. And she's thinking, and like you hear potentially being like, "Oh yeah, I, I can get used to this," or like whatever he's saying. Uh-huh. Like, like yeah. it's a real uh, what men want situation. Uh huh. And then like the we, we which like, is which so is cute. <laughs> which is once again to be in the body of a dog. Go on. And we get like you know a conversation between the the father of the bride kid and like the chief or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going off on the side. And then we get, we get a cutaway to Puchinski, uh, like basically the woman, like falling over uh-huh. in her seat as Puchinski's yep. like burying his head in her cleavage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, the, this is, this is hilarious guys. That dog wants to fuck that human woman. Isn't that the, the basis of all comedy? Isn't that what, uh, did Isn't did this, a single uh, did one of her like a single one of her high heels flip up in the air when her her chair fell isn't over? This, <laughs> isn't this dog aided sexual harassment hilarious? Yeah, I mean it's. I think we can all agree it's every man's fantasy to be in a body <laughs> of a dog. No, no, we can't, yeah. Stuart, <laughs> because you get to do stuff like that, Dan. So, Dan, I I'm going to take what you're saying at face value, not no. A sarcasm. No, I th- and and so no. you you are asking me if no. I genuinely like it, and no. unlike you, Dan, who seems to be really turned on and think this is okay <laughs> behavior, incorrect. I don't I actually don't think it's okay Wrong. behavior. No, so I know you feel differently. You feel that yes, a dog has the right. <laughs> To sexually harass a woman and it's funny <laughs> because it's a dog. It's I really disagree. cool that it's really cool that you're standing up for your beliefs here, Elliot. Uh, I gotta yeah, commend Dan, you on that Dan, one. Dan, I disagree Dan, with what so you're much. saying. <laughs> I even find it terrifying, but I, I believe in your right to say it no matter how grotesque <laughs> a, and offensive. I think it's a horrifying misunderstanding on your this part. This is a weird admission. This is very akin to like Robert Durst at the end of that show he was on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, you know you're on mic right it's, now, right? It's, a, it's an, okay. we, we would call that an unforced error in baseball lingo. I am now, saying that this was a very unpleasant scene <laughs> and a very unpleasant show. Now, Dan, you say that. Now, Stuart has said it's every man's dream to be a dog. Replace that dog with an octopus and replace uh-huh. that police dispatcher with a fisherman's wife, and you have every fisherman's wife's dream, according to an erotic Japanese <laughs> print I saw once. <laughs> <laughs> saw once, or put up in your in your home's new, uh, your L.A. home's bathroom, right? Your- <laughs> yeah, yeah, put it in my L.A. home's bathroom to show how cool I am. <laughs> oh. And then I just said... <laughs> and, and you want to raise said- your kids with more of a European outlook on life. <laughs> 
I want to make sure that they're comfortable with their bodies and uncomfortable with everybody else's bodies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now replace that fisherman's wife with Isabella Johnny. Mm-hmm. And you have the movie Possession, right? Mm-hmm, very much so. Now, Dan, we watched Possessionski, which was a movie about Peter Boyle is a dog who has sex with Isabella Johnny and forces her to leave Sam Neill. And so what was that, that, what was that situation like? How was that? Uh, I don't want to talk about that at all. Oh, cool. Uh, just, just, just turning off the Nintendo and going home. Okay. Well, so. All right. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. So the famous improv con- uh, continuation tool of no, uh, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, we got pretty gross. I so thought. What else, so, so what's the next important uh, plot point you want to go so, over? Yeah. What else do you want to talk about in Puchinski, aka uh, the man who became a dog? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was that the uh, subtitle? Yes, I think so. Okay. I mean, that's what it's called when it aired in France. Yeah, well, the same now, way that when it was released in France as a feature film, which they padded out with just raw stock footage of dogs running around. Um, the, uh, so an interesting note about this is apparently in an episode of Stargate SG-1, they reveal that in the universe of Stargate, uh, Puchinski was a success, and it managed to... <laughs> It, it managed to last for multiple seasons for hundreds of episodes. And I think that's mainly funny because uh, I have a close friend, Selden, who is... Young a, Selden, yeah. Young Selden. He is a grumpy, uh, giant Australian man. He actually designed uh, our Flophouse t-shirts. He is a grump and seems to dislike all forms of pop culture except for Stargate SG-1. I think it's because he kind of looks like... Teal'c, the uh, giant Gwauld guy from the show. Elliot, what do you think about Stargate uh, S- well, SG-1? I've never, I'm not really familiar with the show Stargate SG-1. I remember the movie Stargate. Uh-huh. What's your favorite part about that? Uh, probably my favorite part is, uh, I don't know, those guys with the Anubis heads that are shooting lasers and stuff. Okay, that's uh, kind of an easy answer, Dan. <laughs> uh, I, I missed what you were uh, saying because I was trying to uh, look up whether what you were saying about Stargate was a joke or real, because it was really hard to tell. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't funny, so it's probably real. <laughs> was it real? <laughs> yeah, I no, mean, they, they mention it. They mentioned in the in, there's an episode where they mentioned that Puchinski was an award winning show. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, one of, it says according to this website, uh, according to the Stargate fandom wiki, one of the puppeteers on Stargate was a puppeteer on Puchinski. That's probably oh, why they did that joke. That's weird. What did they use puppets for? Did Peter Boyle require puppets to get around? or? <laughs> <laughs> because you watched a very real dog talking. The hard part, the reason the show proved untenable is that it was hard to teach the dog to learn more than one episode's worth of dialogue and, and deliver it. And the hard part wasn't getting the dog to talk, but getting the dog to do a pitch-perfect Peter Boyle impression. <laughs> I mean, I thought it could have used some work, but it was still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Puchinski, I had a thing I wanted to say, and I totally forgot what it was, so I apologize for that. Oh, oh, here's, oh, here's what I was going to say, and it's not worth me remembering. Uh, I kind of now want to take... We've talked a number of times on the show about those... On, show, on Cinemax, they would have those compilation movies, where they just uh-huh. have people telling stories and be scenes from their software shows. What if you took uh-huh. that one of those and just edited in un- unsuccessful pilots? <laughs> so they're like, I I heard this story. I heard this story of a friend of mine, and it's so hot. And then you cut to a, just a shortened version of Puchinski, and it cuts back to the to the characters, and they're like, that is hot. Wow, that was hot. 
<laughs> what they like someone to do that now. Now in those kind of movies, are they like lazing around in like a like a salon type situation? No, they're usually <laughs> hanging out in someone's living room. It's not yeah, like a bunch having, of intellectuals. It's or? like obviously like it's going to end with like a swingers <laughs> night. It's like, obviously <laughs> what it's like. It's like it's like three couples sitting around in someone's well appointed like. Yeah, home lounging around with uh-huh. wine and telling these stories to each other. And somebody, you know, somebody sparked up some incense yeah. to get the party going. Yeah, peppermints, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it always ends with them just with the one new <coughs> sex scene of the of the show. Oh, okay. What if it was like you cut in like like I heard? Is there a uh, is there you like cut in an episode of Capital Critters? <laughs> <laughs> Is there like uh, like crudite on the table, or is it a uh, usually just wine? Oh, they don't usually they don't have wine. like oh they like they like they have like a tagine or something. But that was earlier. That was on, at the dinner table, and they yeah, retired yeah. Well, to the to assume, parlor. You have to assume that earlier they had a tapas meal. Oh, okay, a topless Wait, meal. Dan, yeah, everyone uh, assumes that. <laughs> so they something with uh, some kind of a finger food, something super sensual, right? So that you break out the wet naps early. Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you want to make sure your hands are not too sticky going mm-hmm. into the going into the swingers party to the to the storytelling the <laughs> the, story, adve- yeah. the adventures of Bun- Baron Munchausen style storytelling session, right? Well, the reason they tell the stories is to give each other time to go wash their hands after the. Movie. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and do they do wagers like Baron Munchausen does with his stories, where he's like, "You will never believe this happened, and if you don't believe it, but it's true, I'll win all the money." I don't. Think you remember that story correctly? Uh, <laughs> uh, that means I win the wager. Okay, I don't think that's, yeah, you I tricked don't remember. me. I've been tricked. I also um, may be confusing it with the Adventures of Baron Munchausen role playing game. Uh, oh so, yeah. yeah, you might be confusing it with the Adventures of Baron Funchausen, a children's <laughs> storytelling show that was on Canadian local TV. <laughs> so the, <laughs> which was uh. That was sponsored by like a puppy chow or something. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was sponsored by Maple Chow, the Canadian maple syrup-based puppy chow. Oh wow, doesn't sound very healthy. Dogs, speaking of dogs, Puchinski, shall we? Uh uh-huh. Now, guys, Puchinski wasn't a huge success. This was only one episode and aired in July. <laughs> NBC's the fact, that it, the fact that it was thrown away in the summer and not made into a TV show, yes, would would make it not a huge success. So NBC's fall Monday night lineup had uh-huh. some interesting stuff. So as we as I'd mentioned, they had wiped the slate clean. Alf had finished. Uh, I think the Hogan family had, had wrapped up or had moved to CBS. And then they even briefly tried a John Sayles hour-long scripted show called, like, uh, it's like about a lawyer who has a gambling addict called, like, Shaky's Deal or some shit. But uh, in the fall, they tried something new. They tried uh, the brief uh, Ferris Bueller sitcom. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, sure. Uh, and b- But before that, they tried out a little show called Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, and that's the so, show that gave us Andy Borowitz. You're welcome, America. So <laughs> think about it. If Puchinski had been a huge success, we might not have had Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I think yeah. there's room on the dial for both of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think NBC would have been like, Puchinski's huge. We don't have any other shows. We need to put it in production that we're doing everything is Puchinski. I don't know if that means four episodes of Puchinski a night, seven nights a week, or yeah. if we're just showing the same episode for, you know 28 times because it's from 8 to 10 on every weeknight 
and uh-huh. Weekend Night. It's all Puchinski. I, don't, I think <laughs> yeah. there would have been room for another show on NBC. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about how how easy it was to write write TV back then. So it was basically just doing the same show over and over. Um, and then after Ferris Bueller was canceled after a couple of months, uh, it was replaced with Blossom. Oh. Uh, until Monday nights on ABC became a serious powerhouse of Fresh Prince and Blossom. In Take my, that, Major Dad. In my opinionation, uh-huh. that's a great lineup. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. <laughs> but let's watch those shows. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, we've Dan, done would you enough. say there's no good or reason for getting all depressed? <laughs> I, Wait, I are you guys singing the Blossom theme song? Way, uh, uh, Stuart, pick up a pad and pencil. <laughs> I'll give you a piece of my mind. <laughs> See. Hearing it out of context of Joey Lawrence kind of dancing around and people trying on hats, right? There were people trying on hats. Yeah, they all wear hats. Yeah. There's that part where they and like they do kind of a hip hop dance at one point. They're all and, dan- and Blossom is shows up dressed like Zatanna. Yeah, with a top hat and stockings. Was Blossom's dad a single dad? Yes, very much so. What? So he was a single guy. <laughs> Yep, uh, Jonathan but Silverman. he's not. Yeah, Jonathan Silverman. <laughs> was he like a musician or a piano player? He was a musician. Yes. Cool. 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 Okay, it all checks out. <laughs> this is our new, uh, an episode of our new podcast. Stuart makes sure he's remembering Blossom correctly. Oh, You're like, and her and friend now- was her friend was named Five. Oh, <laughs> seven. So close. But you didn't go over, so you do win the Blossom Showcase Showdown. <laughs> That's great. Uh, one Mayam Bial lick. That's a lollipop shaped like my Bialik. No, okay. How do those sell? Not great. Okay. Uh, but it's a you know it's a niche product. It's more for the novelty value than anything else. Uh-huh. Now, uh huh. Now, now that yeah, I won the hey. showcase, do I still get to play Pachinko or no? So you get to play Puchinski, which is a similar game. <laughs> or no, it's Plinko, have, which is the fucking you, one where the Puchinski falls down the thing. Yeah, and that's hits the, the other that's things. one where you have to drop a soul down into that into that thing and and have it land in a dog's body. Uh huh. So, guys, according to Wikipedia, uh-huh. jo- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Joey, Joey Lawrence's character. Thank you for clarifying. Was called I thought you were Donnie talking about- and the pilot. Oh, that's weird. Uh, when you said Joey without context, I assumed you were talking about a small kangaroo. <laughs> 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 that's probably why they changed the name to Joey instead of Donnie. You know, I didn't remember this Yeah, because they wanted people <laughs> to think of kangaroos. <laughs> they wanted to leave the door open for that character to be a young kangaroo. Now I didn't remember this part of Blossom. Mm-hmm. She frequently she <laughs> <laughs> seems relevant. I guess I'm trapped here, so uh, yeah, we don't have anything to do. <laughs> yep, you're the one who tied me to a chair and won't let me call the police. So go ahead. Uh, she frequently received advice and fantasy scenes from celebrities such as Mr. T, Hugh Hefner, Felicia Rashad, David Spade, Alf, Will Smith, and God, played by Don Novello. I think oh, wow. that was an early on thing that they lost eventually. A ah. lot of TV shows start with some kind of gimmick, yeah. and then as the show goes on, they realize they don't need the gimmick. It, it's kind of like how uh, on the old episodes of Seinfeld, his stand-up is very tightly related to yes. what is happening on the show. Because uh-huh. the way they pitched that show was like, you'll see a stand-up come up with his material based on what's going on in his life. And then they were like, eh, we don't need that. So I think that was a a, a thing that they eventually dropped from Blossom. Yeah, it was like uh, in the early episodes of Night Court, they used actual footage of a night courtroom, uh, and yeah. they realized they didn't need to do that. They didn't need to have it be that real. 
or how in the original version of Murphy Brown in the first season, she's a werewolf, which a lot of people don't remember. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. by the second season, they were like, you know what? This show is, has hit its stride. She doesn't need to be a werewolf anymore. And yeah. that's why she kept going through secretaries and assistants is because she would kill them in her werewolf form. Oh, that's why that guy's always doing work on her house because her house got so fucked up when she turned into a werewolf. Trying, exactly. Because exactly. she, she tore a hole in the roof so she could get closer to her beautiful moon. Yeah, because is, is that tell, what werewolves do? <laughs> yeah, she, she would tell. She Miles worships Silverberg, it like a god, you know. She would set. She would tell Miles Silverberg, "Don't let me out of this room, no matter what I say." And so she would escape through the roof, and that's why. Uh, what was his name? The guy, the handyman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elvin. Elvin. Yeah. Elvin. Uh, and who wasn't? Who was actually Elvin? Oh, cool. Okay. Also, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was created by the elves. Silverberg yeah, yeah. would have been her natural enemy because his name has silver in it. So exactly. Well, that's why she had him guarding the door because yeah. just just the mention of his name would hurt her. And yeah, at any moment he he was already prepared to load himself into a giant gun <laughs> <laughs> and, and then fire him straight into her chest. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm enjoying this uh, section of the show where we just talk about what we vaguely remember about old, about old TV shows. Much better than Puchinski. Uh-huh. A lot of people forget that when Murphy Brown had her baby, Dan Quayle's main complaint was that the baby should be a wolf baby. Because he, he, was, he said, has everyone forgotten that she was a werewolf in the first season? This mm-hmm. is unrealistic. I don't buy that she had a human baby. And it, was, mm-hmm. it became such a tempest in a teapot, you know. Such a political hot potato. And it was it was interesting because Dan Quayle himself had in his first season been a quail the bird and not yeah, a yeah. human man. Yeah. The first year of George Bush Sr.'s <laughs> presidency, they were like, We've got a we've got we want to soften your image, so we're gonna have a little quail be your vice president. Yeah. And then they had to retool everything. They're like, guys, uh, happened, this is this was dumb. Mm-hmm. But Dan, let me just let me just finish this thought that uh when that what happened was that the quail was uh-huh. a st- stopping a mugger uh, and had yeah. just rescued a man from some other muggers. Oh. And so when uh-huh. the quail was hit by a car, the quail's soul went into a man named Dan, thus mm-hmm. creating Dan Quail, vice president of the United States, brought it back around to Puchinski. We did it, guys! Uh, I mean, you kind of did it. We were just here, but I guess uh, I'll take credit for, I don't know, being your emotional sports steward. Yeah, you get partial yeah, yeah, credit. That's why I can bring you on planes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so since we did that, we should sign off. Seems like a good time to do that. So wait, Dan, is Pachinski a good, good show, a good, bad show, a bad, bad show, show you kind of liked? Is um, it spookily scarifying? It's, you know, it's funny. I It's 20 minutes. If you're curious about it, you can watch it. I would say that... Uh, just watch the trailer though. The trailer is the funniest thing you'll you'll Yeah, you'll the trailer encounter. is the better version of would it. Would you would you classify this as bingeable? Uh, <laughs> well, there's only one I mean, of it. Yeah, it's very bingeable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by definition, it is not bingeable. You cannot unless you're gonna watch it multiple times. So. <laughs> That's true. Just order some takeout and binge it, right? Um, oh yeah, yeah. My my date plan tonight is Puchinski and chill. Oh <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll agree. I think it's, I think it's a fun, bad show. I think it's worth, uh, if, if you have an affection for like goofy old sitcom tropes, uh, it's totally worth checking out and it's only 20 minutes long. I agree with you guys. All right. Well, so thanks for donating. Uh, we're happy to be part of maximum fun. If you, if this is your first exposure to the flop house, I'm sorry, you probably already turned this off. Um, (laughs) 
Also, in addition to this, we have a bunch of other bonus content as well as a ton of bonus content from other great shows. Um, a lot of our bonus content, well, not a lot, but some of our recent stuff is all us playing role-playing games uh, where we bullshit slightly less than what we did today. <laughs> Although it goes on for much longer. Much longer. And we also have our epi- our crossover episode with Greatest Generation. That's in the bonus Oh, content. yeah, that was great. That was fun. Yeah, so check out our past bonus content. Check out the other shows, like Stuart said. There's a lot of great stuff at Max Fun. And please continue to keep supporting Maximum Fun for more uh, necessary material, like this discussion of Puchinski being a real show in the world of Stargate SG-1. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. I've been Stuart Wellington. I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Elliot Kalen, remembering that we say our names at the end and we don't just say bye at the very end. Bye-bye. <laughs> like it's, bye. uh, it's a bonus episode. All bets are off. In, in which case, <laughs> bang, bang, oh, bang, bang. Oh, wow. He's possessing a gun that has his voice as I die. <laughs> Elliot, take these Cubs tickets. Somebody oh, bring me a dog. No fucking dilly-dallying around like usual. Nope. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.